We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, we are live here. What is going on? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in, whether it's the audio side, the video side. I appreciate you all. If you're listening to this on audio, make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, all the podcasting platforms, YouTube, subscribe, like the video. Can't say it enough. It really helps us continue to grow this show. Today is Wednesday. I almost said that means, as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Aaron Quinn. However, I am joined today for our first Wednesday of what will be a, a, a summer, man. My good friend, been a minute since I've had him on the show, Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. He's going to be on starting today, every Wednesday for the summer. Kind enough to join me weekly here on the show, man. How you doing, Anthony? Hey, it is good to be with you. I feel like I'm your... Uh... Your summer fling in place of uh, Aaron. <laughs> some big shoes to fill, but I, I do appreciate the to be able to get to spend some time with you each week, and and hopefully I can uh, live up to the pretty high bar that uh, that Aaron had had set for you. Oh, listening. don't don't make his head get any bigger than it, than it already is. Aaron is um, Aaron's on summer dad duty. He's got two well, young kids, so we tape this, and we're continuing to do this. By the way, so I, I say this every week with Aaron. I'm going to say this with Anthony. We are taping this. Tuesday morning, sometimes things go down on Tuesdays after we tape and people listen on Wednesday. They're like, I did not even talk about that. Happened a couple of weeks ago, or actually last week with uh, Stefan Diggs. We taped shortly before he did not show up to day one of Bill's minicamp. So that, of course, became the big story. But anyway, yeah, Aaron's got uh, dad doing his kids are out for the summer. Plus, he's like golfing 10,000 holes uh, a week right now. <laughs> Follow him on Twitter. Uh, you see that, but like I said, I'm I'm pumped to have Anthony for the summer. The uh, the format's going to be the same. We're going to talk some sports today. We're going to talk some Buffalo Bills. I'm going to get Anthony's thoughts on some developments from minicamp last week. His thoughts. I went out with Stephon Diggs. Uh, we'll get a couple, maybe uh, I'll say at least to some extent, concerns about the Bills not injury related. If you have any going into training camp, so we're going to talk some Bills. Uh, we're going to have a couple new segments as well. 
also Anthony, like myself, is a big Ted Lasso fan. So I've been waiting for an opportunity to kind of talk Ted Lasso with somebody. So we'll do that later on in the show with uh, Anthony today as well. Uh, let's start here. And again, you've been on the show. We talked for a few minutes before we started rolling the camera here. Uh, four times I've had you on, but it's been a minute since Anthony's been on this podcast. It's September 2021, right around cut down day a couple of years ago. So it's been a minute, man. It's good to have you here. No, it's good to be back too. And I was having a hard time remembering when it was the last time. I, of course, remember after Greg Rousseau was the pick yeah. in the NFL draft. I think it was around 1 a.m. that we it got was. together. <laughs> it's one of those, like, if you ever question how highly I think of you, Pat, and your show, there is no one that I'm staying up to 1 a.m. for to do a <laughs> podcast with. So you are the one. So that uh, that should, you know, not to inflate your ego in any way, shape, or form. But that was a, that was a lot of fun, you know, that time. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm glad to be, uh, to be back. Yeah, I remember that. It was late at night. We taped literally at one in the morning. Good stuff. Uh, tell people who, who may not know you well, or maybe not even at all, a little bit about yourself uh, before we get cooking here, what you do. Again, you are at Buffalo Rumblings, part of their podcast slash vidcast network. And there's a lot of shows at Buffalo Rumblings. You're the host of uh, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. Just tell a little people a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah, no. And uh, part of the team at buffalorumblings.com. And as you said, really over the years and a credit to to Matt Warren when he was leading the team, going from the content side of the site to expanding to the podcast network, mm -hmm. he really had that vision. And it was back in 2019 where he had said, like, listen, I'd like you to try and, and build this up for us. And at the time, uh, it was his show. Uh, Nate was doing uh, his show for uh, Circling the Wagons, which is a, a popular show that we have. John Boccasino hosting the Believe Show. But, you know, we were really trying to build up a team. And I think when that came about, it really took off for us. We uh, we kind of, when I say discovered, that sounds really kind of weird. But um, the Nick and Nolan show, right? Your, your good friend, my good friend, Bruce Nolan, mm -hmm. um, Nick Bat, kind of, you know, is, is they blew up was something exciting for, I think, for all of us. Because then we really started to, to build some traction. And you think yeah. Joe Miller, Jay Spence the King, John Fina. You know, it was really just about building up a team of guys that love talking about the Buffalo Bills, what we do. Now you got Jamie D and Big Newt, the guys from Not Another Buffalo podcast. Like, you know, we just try to have fun. We try not to take ourselves too seriously with what we do and just kind of provide some consistency for Bills fans. So it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I enjoy being a part of it. I remember still very well the Nick and Nolan show and, and that blowing up and – one of the things I always, I did at the time and I continue to take credit for, I joke with Bruce all the time. I say, I, I deserve 16% of, of uh, the credit for, for, for you blowing up and becoming mainstream. I was on board with, with that show and Bruce specifically, literally from the first time I heard him. I remember saying, I'm like, God, you know, this show's really good. They got some sound effects and Bruce sounds great. And obviously he knows what the hell he's talking about. I'll tell you, I, I've been very intimate with Buffalo Rumblings for a long time now, going back well before this podcast. Now, I started this podcast back in 2018, years before that, when Brian Galliford was the, the, the head honcho at, at Buffalo Rumblings, and, and then Matt afterwards, and I had a blog well before the podcast. I used to hook up with those guys, and they would share some of the content that I put out, kind of had a little bit of a 
promotional trade between the two. Um, so like I said, my relationship goes back with them for a long time. So to your point, yeah, man, I remember Buffalo Rumley's becoming, you know, one of the standard bearers when it comes to blogging. Yeah. When it comes to the Buffalo Bills. And then from there, podcasting that you speak of. And now vidcast. You know, a lot of uh most of the shows are also available uh on YouTube. And you talked about a couple of them. Um like I said, Bruce, who does not do the video stuff as we all know no. that anymore. But I'll tell you, for my money, his podcast, the Bruce Exclusive, it's literally as good as anything out there. Buffalo Bills related. It's unique. He's always got an interesting angle every week that he approaches. It doesn't sound like anybody else out there. So that's my guy. Um, good friends with Joe Miller. You know, I'm yeah. a big fan of the Overreaction Sports Podcast. And of course, he does the show with uh John Fina every week. You mentioned Jay Spence, he's got the code of conduct. It was a really good job getting a good guest. Notice that get me to Kimes on the other day. I mean, oh, when yeah. you when when you think about the world of sports talk right now and for for Spence to have Mina Kimes join the show and mm -hmm. do a half hour AFC East preview with him. I mean, you know, when you think about how far not just podcasting has come, right? But you think of the the stuff that we've done. Um, you know, and I know you were talking in the, the show earlier this week about when you did the interview with Adam Schefter, right? Back in 2018. Yeah. Like those are like those cornerstone interviews that you get to do. And for him, you know, I mean, gosh, I'm proud of him as almost like just a, sure. a friend, right? To to see him have that success. Yeah, he's really, he's grinded very hard in this game. And like I said, he's, that might be the biggest guest, but it's not the only one. He's had a lot of great guests, oh, a lot yeah. of former athletes, a lot of good people in media. So, you know, I, I follow that show pretty closely. Uh, Line to Gain, another former Buffalo Bill, oh, Jerry Ostrowski yeah. on that Absolutely. show with Sarah Larson. And I, I love Sarah. Sarah's one of the Sarah's one of my favorite people in the world. You know, I, I've gotten to know her pretty much primarily through social media over the last couple of years. Met her in person at a party. I, I love her to death, man. Um, we talk a lot. She's a lot of fun. She knows what she's talking about too. She's a super fan. I mean, I don't think she gets enough credit. By the way, two straight years she has literally for people watching or listening to this. Um, I'm speaking of Sarah about Sarah Larson. She's the co-host of Line the Game with Jerry Ostrowski on Buffalo Rumblings. Also, just a big Buffalo Bills fan. She lives in Florida. She has been to every Bills game for the last two years, home and away. Now, I know there's a good handful of people, Anthony, who who go to all the Bills games each year. Yeah. Half those games for most of those people are a short drive to buff, you know, at home. They're home games. She comes from Miami. She's got one home game a year, and that's when the Bills go to Miami. That's it. Every other time she is traveling to Buffalo every week or wherever the Bills play two straight years. That's incredible. I don't think she gets enough credit for, for doing something like that. That's awesome, man. No, it's a level of dedication. And people don't know this either. Sarah does a lot of behind the scenes work to kind of keep everybody uh, in order and in line, you know, scheduling all these shows. It's it's not an easy thing. Sure. And she does a great job with with Jerry and just. uh yeah, it's just a great group of people. And I think even when you talk about the community as a whole, right, just other folks that do different podcasts, no matter what platform they're on, or even the beat reporters, there just seems to be a, a nice sense of mutual respect out there, which makes it fun, which is honestly what it should be. Yeah, absolutely, man. So like I said, go check out Buffalo Rumblings. There's like a million shows to go check out over there on uh, their platform. Before we get into anything else too, um, did you get a chance, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, 
Did you get a chance to check out last week's show here? What I, the live from Imperial one with uh, Tim, Tim Graham and Tyler Dunn? No, I most definitely did. And it was, uh, I thought it was a great listen to be, to be quite honest. And it just was, you know, their perspective is always great, but you forget the rapport that those two have when they are together and yeah. their days of doing the show together back when they were both at the Buffalo news. And then for you to bring them back together and pull just kind of these like tidbits of like recaps of their shows or, you know, even sharing some of the history, you know, they were before their time, right? Like podcasting back they in were. Was it, 2015 was not yeah. really a, a thing there. It didn't quite even make sense. And to, to bring them back together, I always feel this about these two guys. And, and again, even more so and with you as well, when, when you listen to their shows, when you listen to them talk, it's almost like you're sitting down with a friend of yours and mm -hmm. you know, you, you interact with these guys on, on Twitter or go back and forth or, you know, have some very little ex exchanges, but they have that sense of connecting. I feel like with their readers and especially with their leaders and I, or their listeners. And I just felt like I was listening to three friends, you know, almost that you were sitting at that table that you've got showing here on the video side, like that you were just sitting at the bar, kind of listening in to, to these guys talk. And, and that's not an easy thing to do when you think of this space, right. To be able to relate almost in, in that way. And maybe it just comes over the, the years that you spend listening to someone. Um, I've always felt the same way with Howard Simon and Jeremy White. And now, you know, obviously for Howard in, in his retirement, but just, uh, when it feels like you're just listening to one of your buddies at the bar, that's, that's when, you know, somebody's just really good at, at what they do. Yeah, for sure. And thank you, by the way. But look, done with Graham. I'm glad you mentioned the podcast part with them too. Done with Graham, the one of the OG podcasts. They they started, they were about a year, year and a half they did their show. Um, and that was before podcasting was even fashionable, Anthony. I mean, they were doing it pretty much when nobody was. And you know, I get I get credit sometimes because I've done a lot of like, not just Imperial Pizza. I, I love doing my shows there and I got a series going on there. It's kind of like my home base now at this point. So I'm doing most of like my live shows there, but I've done shows at lots of bars and people would be like, oh, you do all these shows. I got that from them. They yeah. had this little shitty podcast and they'll be the first to tell you that. I mean, they had the, the worst equipment of just a laptop and you know, shitty microphones and, but they went everywhere, man. They went, we, in fact, we talked about it last week on the show. Um, a bunch of bars that are like are defunct now. Like some of them aren't even open anymore. That's how long it's been since they started their podcast. And I'll tell you, and, and again, I, I really do appreciate it, Anthony, the kind words, but ain't got shit to do with me, man. You get these two guys together. Like this is, if you haven't listened or watched this one yet, I, look, I put out an episode. I always hope that people watch and listen and enjoy them. But I don't really, like, if you do, you do, you don't, you don't. But this one, I'm telling you, I would recommend, like, if people were like, I've never heard your show before, I'd like, I'll check it out. I'd be like, go listen to last week's episode. I really thought this was uh, compelling podcasting because... Not just the the fun little stroll down memory lane with these guys, but the Bills talk and then talk about, you know, the relationship, the fickle relationship between fans and the media when fans hear things that they don't want to hear. It was just really good stuff from two of the, uh, you know, the absolute very best to do it, man. And they really are. Tim Graham, Tyler Dunn, 
this market is represented so well when it comes to, to feature writing. There's not a lot of people, forget about Buffalo, there's not a lot of people in this country who are better at what they do than Tim and Tyler are. Well, the thing is, and one, give yourself a little bit of credit because you had the yeah. vision too to say, listen, let me bring these guys together. So many folks would have even forgotten about that podcast. And it's, you know, so that's that's a credit. But I think even as you think of that conversation, and again, what makes these guys unique, and I think a, a story, right, with everything around Stefan Diggs, where everyone has to have a take, everyone has to have an angle, probably being in some way pressured. Tim was saying on his story and his show. Thankfully, I don't have an editor that's pushing me to pump out a story on this because I don't have anything to say. I don't have an opinion because I don't have any of the facts and I don't have any information. And in a day and age where everyone has to have a take, everyone has to have an opinion, everyone has to have some sort of an angle for him to come out everywhere, right, on, on the show with you, on his own show, and just say, yeah, I really don't have anything. Other than I just know that it's not Ken Dorsey, that's the only thing I could get out yeah. of anyone. To just be able to say that and feel comfortable, it shows, I don't want to say how far he's come. It's just who he is, but he's mm -hmm. comfortable in sharing that. And like, listen, that gives him additional credibility when he comes out and breaks something or has information or says, my sources are telling me, you know it's credible and you sure. know it's real because... Again, he's not someone, you know, just going to a, a random website and pulling up a rumor and saying, this is what I'm hearing, because that's not how it is. And Tyler's very much in that same vein. So the timing could not have been better. I know you don't just schedule these things out like, oh, hey, this happened with Stefan Diggs. Let me get these two trusted voices together yeah. uh, for that to take place. Really, the uh, the stars aligned for you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, man. And again. Appreciate the credit, but it's a lot easier to get those guys or anyone to come out when you say, you know what, come to Imperial. I got some wings for you. I got a couple pints of beer, three uh, 22 ounce hay burners later. Tyler probably would have told you anything that you wanted to, uh, <laughs> that you wanted to hear. All right, let's, let's switch gears for a minute here. So one thing that Aaron and I did on Wednesdays, and for the most part, we're going to continue this with Anthony on Wednesdays as well. Aaron and I did power rankings. Pretty much what we're going to do here is the same thing. We would list 10 of whatever different pop culture topics. Um, we're going to do a starting five because I think as I was thinking about it, it kind of critiquing the show with Aaron. I'm like, you know, 10's too goddamn many. So five is good. We're going to do a starting five. So not every week, but a lot of weeks, um, Anthony and I are, are going to list our start, our own personal starting five of specific pop culture topics this week to kick things off um we went with starting uh our starting five is tv show dads so i'm gonna pull it up again like i always do with aaron on the screen i'll go first this week and this is my personal uh best tv dads a starting five and i'll count down from five to one again if you're watching this on video you can see it on the screen from people listening on the audio side which is most people um i'll run them down at number five, I got Frank Costanza from Seinfeld. Um, he only appeared, by the way, Anthony, I, I had to look it up. He only appeared on 29 out of 180 episodes. So he wasn't on a lot. But to me, he was all-time funny, just a memorable guy. Uh, he gave us the holiday festivus, which, you know, the airing of the grievances to this day. One of the funniest things ever that people still do. He, he's a pop culture icon. 
and absolutely uh, hilarious. So I got Frank Costanza there. Number four, admittedly, some recency bias here. I got Johnny Rose um, from Shit's Creek. Um, I don't know if you watched that show or not. He, he was he was the voice of reason in, in like a, a a chaotic family that goes from well not from rags from riches goes from riches to rags. Um, his kids are completely self absorbed, and, and his wife Moore is like completely out there in left field. But he loves them, and he's an integral part in a lot of the redemption story arcs throughout the series, uh, including his own. So, got Johnny Rowe. Did you ever watch this Creek? By the way. You know what? And I am embarrassed to say we have not watched it. There's a lot of people who have it. It's not. I feel like I'm like the only person on the planet that is not. No, you're not. Because I've talked to a lot of people who actually haven't watched Shit's Creek. And by the way, when we talk Ted Lasso a little bit, you'll want to watch Shit's Creek because you like Ted. I like Ted. And I feel like they're the same type of shows. And we'll we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. Anyway, continuing uh, at number three. This is my homage to old school TV. I got Howard Cunningham from Happy Days. Uh, Mr. C, as he was called. Complete devoted family guy, kind dude, uh, not only to his own kids, Joni and Richie, but also obviously Fonzie, Richie's friends too. He was like an encyclopedia of knowledge when it would come to words of wisdom. I, I think he's the dad that growing up, everybody would probably want. So I got him at number three. Number two, more recency bias, Jack Pearson from This Is Us. And again, by the way, Anthony and I do not share these lists ahead of time. Well, I get Anthony's because of the graphic, but he has no idea who's going to be on my list. So he's literally seeing these in real time, just as you are. So I'll, I'll ask you, This Is Us, is that a show that you watched as well? I do not watch This Is Us. So that okay. is another one of the you know the five that you have here, the two that I have not seen. And again, I know a show that that people are so passionate about, and it's one of those that you think, gosh, I, I need to play some catch-up here. Well, let me tell you this. Ted Lasso, Shit's Creek, similar types of shows, similar types okay. of feels and vibes when you watch them. This Is Us, no. It is draining. It's exhausting. It's emotionally draining. A lot of people do not like that show because it's just like too much. Bad shit happens. A lot sad shit, retrospective shit. <laughs> that I'm but I'm probably anyway, gonna skip it. <laughs> but I did watch it. I watched it with my wife, and, and I love the show. But again, more recency bias here because it's so new. He's the perfect father for for people who watch it or listening who who did watch the show. Jack Pearson was the perfect father to the point that like it was annoying because he he set a standard that's impossible for any mere man to be able to uh to live up to. Just devoted, patient. He and his wife they raised an abandoned child. I uh, struggled with alcohol early in the show, but straightened his shit out out of devotion to his family. Um, I guess I'm giving you a spoiler here, so you're not going to watch it anyway. You don't it's okay. He, die, he dies on the show, okay? But he still has a presence throughout the show well after he dies. Um, again, sorry for the spoiler. Uh, but years and even years and years later, as his kids became um, grown-ass adults, middle-aged people, you could tell how much he was still missed in their lives with his absence. So anyway. Jack Pearson's number two for me. And then number one, Philip Banks from uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Funny, strict, but fun. Uh, bad temper, but loving. Great dad. Uh, the dynamic he had with Will Smith, I, I thought was the best. The episode when, when Will Smith's father rejected him oh, and, 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 and Philip 
comfort in him. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to front to people. I cried, man. It was a, it was an all time yeah. TV moment for me. So, you know, a lot of life lessons. That was a comedy at its core, but many life lessons were taken from that show. And I thought that Philip Banks was at the center of a lot of them. So he's number one for me. That's my starting five uh, best TV dads. I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Well, you you know, it's funny because I look at your list too, and I'll just say Howard Cunningham was one that I had on my original list, right? You think of mm -hmm. going through these stages of your life and maybe we'll do more of a comparison in a bit. And then I'm like, well, is it, is this best TV dads? Is it coolest TV dads? Like, what is it? And it just, sure. was, it, it kind of morphed with, as I went through with, with each of it. So, you know, number five on my list, Red Foreman from that 70s show. I mean, yeah. there is there is no better character on TV that could take, you know, uh, uh, one line, right? And just like, how about sticking my foot in your ass and just <laughs> use it in every yeah. situation of not just dealing with his two kids, but again, kind of being a, a father figure to to all the kids that would always be at his house. And I think a lot of times when you think about TV dads, right, you've got some of those that are, they they have this level of almost like perfection to them, right? You think back to the shows from the 60s, the father knows best and Ward Cleaver and all these folks, and they do everything right and they make every right decision. And here's a dad, you know, based in the 70s that like, there's no sugarcoating anything, right? Everybody knows this type of dad or their dad that has this moment where it's just like, you know what, sometimes you just need a kick in the ass. And and that was Red Foreman. Yeah. And to me, that was one I remember, you know, watching that show every week. And, and you know, and I don't, I'm not an encyclopedia of every episode for any of these shows. But when you think of him, that is someone that always stood out and, and made an impression. And I loved. Yeah, for sure. That's a good one. So next up on my list, um, Hal Wilkerson. Um, Brian Cranston, right? Playing the father and Malcolm in the middle. I know for most people, they think of Walter White when they think of Cranston is just this like the, the character that he played there. For me and Malcolm in the middle, I mean, again, here's a dad, you know, with four boys, he might as well have been the fifth son. And again, you're going to this show where it's not just, oh, here's this perfect family story of the week. It's like, these kids are awful. They're getting in trouble all the time. The the dad always has their back. Sometimes he's the one getting in trouble. I, I'm going down memory lane with this. There was this great clip where the mom is losing her mind and he comes into the room and the boys are sitting there and he closes the door, this terrified look on his face. And he's like, who wants to make $5 to be the fall guy? And they're like, what did you do? He's like, I can't tell you. And finally, the kid's like, I'll do it for 10. And the dad runs over. He grabs the kid. He's like, honey, I found him. I know who did it. And he goes running out of the room. And it just, again, right, you're, you're sort of taking things and you're, you're, you're blowing it up. And it's an exaggeration of, of real life. But uh, I always thought for Brian Cranston, as, as great as he was in Breaking Bad, his role in, in Malcolm in the Middle uh, just was was priceless. That entire cast. No, I gotta I gotta confess. Out of your five, this is the one show I I did watch a little bit of it, but I never really dove into it. But after hearing from you, I, I, this might be one of my uh my next binges. Well, and it's one of those two you remember sometimes with it. Um, 
who you were with and when you would watch it, right? So this mm -hmm. was like before I was married, living with roommates, like Sunday nights, I think Malcolm in the Middle and that 70s show would be on like after NFL football games. And we would just sit there and and just laugh the entire time. I mean, just two, two fun shows that sure. didn't take themselves too seriously and kind of gave a, a look into like a different family dynamic. Mm -hmm. But um, next up on my list, Eric Taylor. Yeah, I spelled uh, it. I spelled it. I spelled it. If you're watching on the graphic, it's not Airy Taylor, Dummy Pat. It's Eric Taylor. Go ahead, man. So Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. Yeah. You know, I mean, one, when you just think of that show, to be able to take an adaptation of a best-selling book, uh, a great movie, and turn it into a TV show that's not the same characters, right? It's not like a, a spinoff of it. It's just taking that concept and turning it into a show. And, you know, we'll talk about Ted Lasso in a bit, but you, you, I always resonate with coaches, right? From coaching before I had kids to coaching my kids to then watching this show. And again, like here's someone with, you know, what he's dealing with, with his family. You think of being that father figure to the guys on the team and like taking in someone like a, you know, Matt Sarazen, who's his star quarterback and dating mm -hmm. his daughter and what he meant to a, a Tim Riggins and smash and, and everyone on that show and somebody that really just was able to do it in a way, right. That was just not always doing the right thing, but a, a level of calm and mm -hmm. just a fatherly figure. And I think for Kyle Chandler too, I felt like before this, he was always that actor, you know, that was that guy like, Oh, you've seen him in other things. He's that guy that it took him from being uh, a, you know, a very good supporting actor to, uh, to almost a leading man. Yeah. And by the way, if you're watching this, the clear eyes, full hearts, um, hoodie that Anthony's got on direct reference uh, to the show. Good one. So uh, number two on my list, you know, uncle Phil, Philip Banks, fresh Prince mm -hmm. of Bel Air. I mean, you said it so well before. Um, and again, right. Could be that disciplinarian could have some fun. Um, I always think, of course, the scene when Will's father rejected him, just you can get emotional if you pulled that scene up and watched it right now. Sure. Um, I always remember the scene when uh, when they were at the pool hall and Will was getting hustled and losing all this money oh, and he was yeah. still coming to save the day. And Jeffrey pulls out the case with his own pull cue. And it was just like, oh, my God, this is this is fantastic. Yeah, forgot about you that. Know, and that was one of those shows when you're growing up and you're a teenager, there's not a lot of shows as a teenager having younger sisters that they're going to enjoy, that your parents are going to enjoy together. And I do feel like in many ways, like, yes, you can say Will Smith was the star of the show, but Uncle Phil was really that centerpiece in, in my yeah, mind that he was made it all work. Sure. So, and number one on my list, um, again, Phil Dunphy, Modern Family, you know, I think when you think about this, and it was a little bit of that, you know, well, he's not the coolest dad, he's certainly not the best dad, but when you think of a dad that just is trying the hardest to be the best dad he can be, yeah. and do everything for his kids and for his family. Um, in some ways, you could pick the four dads on that show, right? Himself, you could take Jay, you could take Cam and Mitchell, um, almost like as an ensemble. But I think when you think of Phil Dunphy and everything that he tried to do, and, and when I say recency bias, I hadn't watched the show in a long time, but my girls started to, to watch it during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And you realize just 
one, how hysterical that show was, but just for him to just be so over the top. Uh, so that's my top five. That was a good one. I gave serious consideration to Phil Dunphy too. That was a, that was a good show. I, I enjoyed that show a lot. This was a, this was fun. I'll tell you what, we're going to take a real quick break, come back on the other side. Uh, well, actually, maybe we'll talk a little bit of Buffalo Bills here on Talking Buffalo. Be right back, folks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, I am back here with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. All right, so... You know, I don't. I don't want to harp anymore uh, on last week's episode, and I don't want to beat a dead horse too much with the Stefan Diggs thing. But it is, it was a big news story. Potentially, it still is a big news story. Tim had plenty of thoughts on it. Um, Tyler had plenty of thoughts on it. I've had my thoughts on it. I want to hear yours at, at this point. Again, we're referring to last week mini camp, Stefan. Not showing up for Tuesday. Well, he was in Buffalo, but he didn't participate on Tuesday. He did participate on Wednesday. We don't really know what's going on. You mentioned it earlier. Tim Graham did report via a source that he heard that it's not involved Ken Dorsey. However, we've heard uh, somebody for the Boston Globe said that Stefan's got a big issue with uh, the play calling, just the offense. So that does sound like something that the offensive coordinator would be. I don't know. I, I, I just want to get your thoughts. And if this is something that's concerning you going forward into training camp, that this could potentially be a, a lingering problem. What are your thoughts on this, Ed? Well, I'll say first, I, I don't think it's a big issue heading into training camp. And part of that is just because Diggs was at mini camp the next day. You mm-hmm. saw video, video footage of him on the field next to Josh Allen, right? Even that little clip of they like reach across to each other and almost like held hands for a second. I I don't want to call it like a a high five or whatever it was, but um, 
you saw that interaction and at least it wasn't like, oh gosh, Stefan Diggs is all the way over on this side of the sure. field house and Josh Allen's all the way over there. Like they were together. And I think sometimes when you talk about their relationship, they refer to each other like brothers. And, you know, siblings are going to fight with each other. They are going to have disagreements. And maybe it wasn't even them having some sort of a disagreement. I'm I'm reading into certain things, right? But it just yeah, not everything is always going to be storybook. And it goes to what you had said and Tim had said before. Some fans, they want everything to just be sunshine and rainbows. And it's not always going to be that way. Um, as long as you can get over it, then it's fine. And it seems like with the footage from the next day, it was fine. Yeah. Sean McDermott did not do himself any favors with the very concerning nope. comment. Um, and again, with none of us knowing any of the details, like maybe in the moment he was concerned, maybe, you know, that conversation was, you know, maybe people were raising their voices, like maybe whatever, like we don't, we don't know. So that part didn't help. And also the timing just didn't help, right? This is the time of the off season where there's really nothing going on. You have nothing to do, but look forward to training camp. And honestly, to hope that your team doesn't come up in the news, because maybe it means someone got in some sort of trouble, sure. something happened. You know, if anything, like your news might be, hey, we signed a fifth string offensive lineman that you've never heard of before. And, and that's fine. So for me, the, the footage the next day sort of lowered it from any sort of worry or concern that I might have had. Hey, would it have been nice if, you know, you heard from Diggs in some way, shape, or form. Well, yeah, right. But that's it, it's not going to make a, a huge difference once the team gets on the field and if they're playing well. I think everything is fine. I um, it's worth noting. I'm not sure if it was from Monday or first thing Tuesday. I saw a Tuesday morning though, uh, a video uh, of Stefan working out, not in yeah. Buffalo, but working. He looks pretty. <laughs> He's putting that work in. He looks good. Yeah. Or he just, maybe he ain't putting that work in, but I don't know. Dude looks stacked right now. He, he's uh, he's in great shape. He's going to come, come July. He'll be ready to go. He'll be in great shape. I mostly agree with you. I don't think it's that big of a story. I think that this is the time of year, to your point, you really don't want to be in the news because it's usually not good at this point. But Maybe the story is a little blown out of proportion. That said, and this was a major talking point on the show last week. It's not. It's not the uh, the fans love to blame the media for for everything, and sometimes you know what. And I told Tim and Tyler to sue. Sometimes the fans have a fair point. Sometimes there are stories out there where maybe the media creates a narrative that's bigger than it really is. However, and in this case. This was not a media-driven story. This was a head coach-driven story. It yeah. was Sean McDermott saying very concerned twice back to back that really, you know, drove the car with this story. Um, Tim spoke about it being a, a big failure from the communications department when it came to this. How, you know, Sean should have not said that. He should have talked up what should be said. So that causes worry amongst fans. And just um, even the tweet where the Bills said that Stefan wasn't at practice, Tim pointed this out as well. They showed him, you know, they could have had a generic helmet. They could have had yeah. something just to say he's not there, but they made it a point 
to show him, to show him with his C on his jersey, the captain of the team, not at practice. It was almost like the team's uh, social media department was calling him out for not being there. So in this case, I don't buy that, you know, again, fans blame the media for everything. But in this case, I don't think this was a media-driven story. I think it was a legitimate story. And I think it was legitimate because the team and their poor communication last week kind of brought it upon themselves. Yeah. And I think when you talk about it being media-driven, right? And I heard uh, Sal Capaccio on his show with Matt Perino and John Scott, and, and they were talking about that. And, and understandably, those guys, you know, I'll say, took some offense to that statement about it being media driven because mm -hmm. it was just again something that came from the team and almost as i look at it it's um i don't want to say it's fan driven because that's not the case either but right i mean the nfl is a 12 month a year 24 7 news cycle so when something like this happens of course the media is going to cover it on a regional local national level like I was saying, there was nothing else to really be talking about in the NFL at that point that during the week. So that was going to be the story from everyone. And as fans, right? I mean, that's why there's so many different national and local podcasts out there because we crave this information on the team. But again, you can't just take the sunshine and rainbows. You got to take some of the things that are negative with it, with it too. And that's, um, you know, that's just, what it is like you take the good with the bad yeah i i'm not gonna be harsh on stefan diggs i am look i'm a big stefan diggs fan sure. I, 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 he's he's elite on the field literally elite he's had 100 catches three straight years no one in the history of this franchise has even done it once he's done three straight years that's incredible he is i like his character i i, I he brings fun i like him i do but I do, I will admit this, and I don't want to be that old grumpy guy, but I kind of wish he would handle things a little bit differently. Like, sure. I get it. And, I, and he's not the only one, man. So many athletes critically tweet shit out all the time. You know, he does that. I just, I don't like the way he, I, I wish he would have showed up to camp. But again, we don't know what happened during that meeting. If yeah. Sean McDermott was being truthful because he spoke again on Wednesday and said that they had a conversation and he decided he needed a break, let him leave for the day, called it an excuse absence the next day. Don't buy that because he could have said that on Tuesday. Yeah. But anyway, my point is, would you like to see Stefan maybe handle things a little bit differently? Or to your point, and you've said this a couple of times now, you kind of got to take the good and the bad together when it, when it comes to the type of, of player that he is and just all players in general. You know, like, do you feel like maybe you just handle things a little bit differently? Well, I'll, I'll say this, right? Like, sure. Like, again, I would have just loved if this was a non-story, if he mm -hmm. showed up even for OTAs or if he was just there at the beginning. And, you know, that video footage that we saw from day two was the video footage of day one. And then everyone would have been, hey, see, this isn't a story. But there's part of it that I think a lot of folks and, you, you know, I'll be honest, like there were some times where uh, folks would be chiming in on social media or calling in on radio shows. And it just was like this. A lot of people I felt like were making an assumption that Diggs was in the wrong here. And right. we don't know what the issue is. Like right. Stefan Diggs, maybe he has a real legitimate reason. And there's a real legitimate concern sure. that um, that there's a lot of merit to. But without the details, um, 
I don't understand why people were jumping to something, you know, again, you want Diggs to show up, I get it, or he could have handled it differently. But some people were really jumping to conclusions that were just like, without any facts, um, that felt a little weird. And, and I'll say this too, and I, you know, you think with a lot of it, I mean, there are certainly exceptions when you think of great wide receivers of Jerry Rice and Calvin Johnson, and maybe that just, you know, were no drama wide receivers. Larry Fitzgerald, sure. But people will say like, oh, well, you know, they use a term like diva or whatever. Listen, the great wide receivers, they're wired differently. And that's not making an excuse for shouting at a teammate or anything like that. But I'm just saying, you know, you think of Randy Moss, Devontae Adams, his situation last year, A.J. Brown working his way out of Tennessee. Um, All of these great wide receivers, there's always like some little hint of drama that sort of circles them a little bit. And yeah. I don't know what it is, but all the great ones seem to have a little bit of it tied to them. So there is a part that says, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the good with the bad because honestly, the good is so much better than the bad. Like I remember the days of just like hoping an undrafted free agent wide receiver can pop with this team or be the next Stevie <laughs> Johnson because the receiving core is so bad one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL, let the team work through it. Let him work through it. Get on the field, catch 110 passes, and I'm good. You made a great point, and, and I want to piggyback what you said because I couldn't agree more. Seen a lot of fans, and look, it, it's a natural, it's just natural for fans to overreact, and I'm including myself, by the way. I am, I don't know if it's me or Nate Geary. One of us are the biggest knee-jerk reactor of anybody I know. It's real close. It's either me or Nate. And we're that's just what we do. We knee-jerk react all the time. Fans just generally like to overreact to something and ju- or jump to conclusions. Sure. And, and you said it perfect, man. We don't know what is the big issue with Stefan. We've heard some reports. We've heard Tim say it's not Ken Dorsey. We don't know. We don't know what was said between him and Sean McDermott. We don't know. You hear a lot of people jumping to their own conclusions. It's, we don't know. We don't know if him and Josh are, are, are playing nice right now. You said they're brothers and brothers fight. Maybe they're, they're still fighting. Maybe they play nice for the cameras at practice Wednesday. We don't know. We don't know what his issue is. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's some of the wrong. It's probably somewhere in the middle where both sides probably could do a little bit more to, to, to make things right. Do you think in part, fair or not, do you think in part, Anthony, maybe how things went down in Minnesota might have some bearing on fans thinking, oh boy, here we go again, even though they really don't even know all the details with what happened in Minnesota either? Well, yeah, I think that's part of it. I think, again, it's as a wide receiver, there's that stigma that that's how wide receivers act, right? right? Oh, they always complain about not getting the ball enough or this and that. Like they're always fiery and demonstrative or whatever it it may be. So as I look at that, I'm thinking to myself, um, that could be part of it. I think immediately it got positioned as, by some folks, Josh versus Steph. And as you've talked about before with Aaron and with others, like, you know, Josh is a bit bulletproof, right? With many fans of just like, there's an assumption, oh, well, Josh couldn't have done anything wrong. Or So I feel like if you're 
in a weird way, having to pick a side, it became people were going in with one side versus the other. And it just, it just fits into, and I think Tim had said it, even Jeremy White had said it. Like if in this scenario, your narrative was you think Diggs is a diva, this is going to back up that narrative. Or if you think McDermott is not sufficient as a head coach, it's going to back up that narrative. Or So yeah, maybe part of the Minnesota piece, or maybe it's just, I don't know. I do feel like with a lot of Bills fans, the drought has still had an impact on them that they're not used to being successful. Yeah. Right. And things that should not be a story that they should not give two shits about that they do because they were used to for 17 years of having to care about every stupid little thing that happened that sometimes it gets blown up of just like, no, the team is good. Now the franchise is in a great place. You have players like Deandre Hopkins and Dalvin cook saying, They'd be interested in joining the Buffalo Bills. You signed Von Miller away from the Super Bowl champs, and he didn't go play for the Dallas Cowboys. Like, but you don't feel that sense of the Bills are a great franchise because you've lived through where you wouldn't even have offensive coordinators interview to be your head coach because the franchise was looked in such a poor light. So I think for many, it's still kind of getting to that evolution of just being like, hey, we can be a great team and not worry about all these things. So, you know, sorry, I got on my soapbox. No, there no, 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 absolutely. And you're right. And, you know, on my last show, I talked about this a little bit too because I couldn't agree with you more. The Bills are legitimate contenders right now. And that's why you go get a guy like Puna Ford or Leonard Floyd to sign one-year deals. They're chasing oh. rings. I mean, they're getting paid, but they probably could have gotten more money somewhere else they're just signing these one-year proven deals and they're signing with buffalo there was a time not long ago you ain't getting puna ford or, or leonard ford on one-year deals here unless nobody wanted them you know or if unless you they were paid so much right which they right. didn't do in either of these cases nope, definitely did not one last quick thing here with Diggs. you know to fans credit to media's credit as well i will say this if if stefan's big beef with the organization and again hate speculating when we don't know but let's just say if it is he wants to ball more he wants to be even more involved in the offense he didn't get the ball enough near the end of last year to be happy the way this offseason seems to go with the buffalo bills the way they're being built right now they draft dalton kincaid in the first round to be that big slot guy looks like they're going to try to work the middle of the field a lot more um they get a big mauling guard they sign not one but two bigger running backs damian harris latavius murray they're going to want to be more physical. They're going to want to be able to run the football. I don't know necessarily a lot more, but certainly more effectively. Then, you know, if you're a wide receiver who wants the ball every every opportunity, it might not be there. His his numbers, Stephon might be as effective as he was the first three years, but it's possible that he could be as good as he was. However, his numbers statistically might regress a little bit. And Something to at least monitor to keep your eyes on if you are worried about Stefan when it comes to that. If it is true that he's mad that he's not getting the ball enough, that's something to uh, at least, I don't want to say be worried about at this point, but certainly your, your eyebrows are raised a little bit, I think. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting to see what the offense looks like. Again, I want to see the team run the ball more effectively than they have. I know everyone, you know, I kind of play my role around the draft when it comes to taking a running back in the first round and kind of playing the uh, 
I don't know, the anti-hero when it comes to, to that dis- discussion. But, um, you know, for him, if that is what he's looking for, sometimes you do have to to speak up. And I did feel like for the Bills offense in the second half of the year, nothing felt easy, right? Those first few weeks, you think of the games against specifically the Rams, the Titans, the Steelers, scoring points at ease, right? I mean, moving mm-hmm. the ball up and down the field, like there was like there was really no problem. And honestly, they did against the Dolphins too, even though they lost that game in the 100-degree heat, whatever it was. But um, So with that, it'll be interesting to, to see how things kind of evolve. And I think with it too, it's like when you have a first-time play caller, and we can say the issue is not with Ken Dorsey and that's fine, but there is going to be an evolution from year one to year two. Sure. You have to expect that there there will be for anyone. And think of your first year in any job that you've been in, any position that you've been in, you're going to be better in year two than you were in year one. If yeah. not, you know, you're going to be on your way out. So you have to expect that that's the situation. Real quick, before we wrap up with uh, a couple of minutes of Ted Lasso talk, we'll deep dive into some of these topics as the Bills get ready for training camp over the next couple of weeks. But on the surface, not counting injuries, because that goes without saying. Is there any one or two things that might have you concerned about this organization or this team right now going into training camp? I'm not going to lie. I really like this roster. I really do. I don't see holes in it. I just don't. And I'm not, that's not being me being a homer. I'm just being completely honest. I don't see a lot that worries me about this roster. If there was anything of course, it would be like Ken Dorsey going in the year two. Can he evolve the, the Bills? Again, they got some different personnel. They're going to have to do some things better on offense. Sean McDermott is going to be calling the defense. Will he do his best coaching in the playoffs? Something he has not done for the last two years. So maybe it's still a little bit. There, there's things to prove on the coaching side. But when it comes to this roster, and again, we'll talk about this more in detail over the next few weeks. I'm just not really worried about anything. What do you think? Yeah, and I think the things that you might be worried about or the things I'm thinking about, again, you can look back to six, seven years ago, and these wouldn't be a worry at all, mm-hmm. right? You know, almost thinking to yourself, like, gosh, you know, can James Cook really take that next step? That's not really a worry, right? I mean, if James Cook is the same player he was last year, the team is still very good on offense. But, sure. oh, my gosh, if he's able to take another step, you go from being a great offense to potentially a record-breaking offense. You know, the middle linebacker conversation, I mean, that part certainly is, you know, going to see what happens there to replace Tremaine Edmonds. Um, Cornerback two, right? And when I say there's concern about cornerback two, it's not even about talent. It's more just, hey, what is the deal deal with Kyer Elam? Like, this guy was a first-round draft pick. You know, last year you have them doing a platoon between him and Christian Benford, but you started Benford. Like, so obviously you're making a point there by not starting Elam. So, like, again, you watch that, but defense is still playing well. It's like, hey, you have three guys that could potentially start at cornerback too and have all proven themselves in the NFL. I'd say the one piece that I put out there, and again, not as a concern with a, but like, you know, they didn't do something at the wide receiver position to make a splash, right? Sherfield, Hardy, okay. So I think the big question is going to be what kind of an impact can Dalton Kincaid have as a rookie? 
And that sure. is going to be, I think, uh, uh, an underrated topic in the offseason because if he can come in and produce, and I'm not talking produce like a 1,000 yards or anything like that, I'm talking 50 catches for 600 yards and seven touchdowns, that's making an impact on this team right away. So I think that's an underrated topic that, as you said, look into the future. Yeah, and we'll, like I said, we'll spend you know the next handful of weeks where the Bills hit trading camp kind of deep diving into some of those topics. Um, so next week we're going to do finish the sentence. That's a segment that I did with Aaron for kind of random pop culture questions. We'll, we'll pick that up next week. The reason why I say next week is because this week I want you and I both to come up with, and look, we're going to be walking billboards right now for the rest of this podcast to when it, when it comes to Ted Lasso, you and I both share a, uh, a passion for this show. If you happen to be watching this on the video side, you can see the little believe uh, sign behind Anthony in his office there. Um, again, if you watch the show, you know what uh, that that is all about. I I love this show. I wanted you to come up with a with a couple of things, and I got a couple of things. I actually wrote a couple of things down for this. A uh, couple of reasons, maybe up to four. What you loved about Ted Lasso, just uh, generally speaking. Now that the show, well, it's not officially over. For all intents and purposes, it seems that it's over. They just haven't made it official. Yeah, so I, I jotted some notes down too, and I know you said to try to keep it to four, so I'm, yeah. I'm probably cheating here and lumping a couple things to together. But you know, things that I think always stood out. I mean, one just when you think about the characters, but I'll call it the, the Roy Kent Jamie Tart dynamic mm-hmm. and how that evolved. Right. So you can talk about Jamie's redemption arc of just going from selfish superstar to an ultimate teammate and superstar to Roy Kent being, you know, a cranky veteran to becoming a member of the coaching staff, but really as he became a leader on that team as well, you know, I think the dynamic between those two and how it grew over three seasons to literally going from being hated rivals to one another to, to almost having a, a brotherly relationship uh, between the two. To me, that was something that was just, you know, and again, I realize we're talking about a TV show, but so special that you felt so invested sure. in. Sure. Um, those two guys there, I mean, and, and Phil Dunster, if he is not nominated for an Emmy this year for his role as Jamie Tart, I will be shocked because I think that is the, the one character that everyone on the uh, – associated with the show is really putting forward and when you think of for your consideration to be at the top of that list so to me that's that's one of my four and i would love to get your thoughts on it too um i'm with you that's one of my four i got specifically redemption for a lot of people mainly jamie and uh roy roy kent i i really come came to like uh the dynamic that those two had whether it was the competition for the girl just their attitudes um you saw changes in them, and that's what this show primarily was uh, all about. So that's definitely one of mine as well. Well, and you talk about redemption. The other one I had on my list was for Rebecca. You know, and I think you think back sure. to that first season where she's the main villain of the show to begin. And as you look at this from, you know, really an evolution of hosting the fundraiser and the moments that she has with Ted outside, and you see their relationship developing to 
you know, when Ted has his anxiety attack and she's the one to greet him outside the club and to make sure that he's okay. But always that scene where she realizes she has to go apologize to Ted, right? Because Keely has called her out, put her on the spot. She goes down to his office and his response was just perfect. Because, you know, many times when someone does something to hurt you, you say, well, that's all right. Like, hey, it's no big deal. You know, you say things to almost try to make them feel better. And he just said, I forgive you. And yeah. he said, you know, what you're going through, it can make you do crazy things. You know, and to forgive someone, it's not saying it's all right. It's not saying it's no big deal. It's all a big deal, right? Yeah. That what took place. But to say, I understand what you're going through and I forgive you. That is, you know, I think when you talk about life lessons and when you're put in that type of situation, that's something I always kind of kind of took away from from the show. Yeah, I have among my notes as well. You know, it's a light comedy that shouldn't, and I don't think for the most part, not taken too serious. And by the way, a lot of people who are critical of the show will say the soccer or I guess football, if you want to call it, was was kind of corny. It didn't look authentic. I agree. But this show wasn't, it was about soccer, but it wasn't really about soccer. It was yeah. more about the characters. It's certainly a, a character-driven show. So I never really cared about that. I took the soccer, the action for what it was. It was a little better in season three, though, than it was earlier, I thought. But anyway, kind of piggybacking on, on your point, at least a little bit am, amongst my notes, was that for being such a light comedy, you know, a feel-good kind of show, it also gave attention tenderly to to like real life issues you know like like mental health and uh the anxiety attacks things that a lot of people um suffer and go through and i and i thought this show was very kind to that and i thought it paid uh great attention to that so that was like a layer of the show that maybe you wouldn't expect when you when you're first watching it you know what i mean i i thought that was very well done well sure i mean it starts as a NBC bit, right, to get people to watch EPL yeah. games when they're broadcasting them to then turning into this this show. And it becomes, right, like, hey, here's this hokey coach. He's fun. He's this. He's doing all the right things to learning about his anxiety, his dealing with depression, him still dealing with the, you know, his issues with his father and the suicide that he commit. And, you know, you think of that type of a breakthrough, the episode with uh, the funeral for Rebecca's father and her dealing with some of her own unresolved issues, mm -hmm. right, from what she went through as a kid and how his relationship was with uh, her mother. But then Ted finally getting to that breakthrough of working with Dr. Sharon, being able to accept help, right? Because yeah. I think in many ways, and we talked about TV dads beforehand, right? Oh, the TV dads are supposed to have all the answers. They're the knight in shining armor that comes into the room and makes everything better. And here's someone that is afraid to ask for help, refuses to ask for help. The stigma around speaking with someone, getting that therapy that can really have an impact on someone, and finally being able to break down and let his guard down. And I thought the part that was so beautiful with that episode, too, he comes into the funeral late. Rebecca is struggling. She doesn't know what to say as far as the eulogy for her father, who she's still resolving her own issues with. So she goes to sing the song that makes her mother happy each morning, a Rick sure. Astley song, Never Gonna Give You Up. And as she's struggling for Ted to sit in the back, 
come in late, not even know what's going on, but just say, my friend needs my help. I get choked up thinking about that moment right there because that is a true sense of friendship. Like, I'm going to sing this song. I'm not a good singer. I'm going to do this in a room full of people because you're stuck. That's yeah, pretty good. I, I, I agree 100%. Uh, what, another thing, too, I got in my notes. I had two other things. I don't think the show overstayed its welcome. You know, I, yeah. there's a lot of shows out there that are really good, but I think sometimes they go on for too long sure. and they, and they kind of fall off at some point. There's a story to be told. And sometimes that story does take more than three seasons. This was a three season series. Again, yeah. assuming that it is over, which we, we think it is. Um, that's the story right there. Sometimes it does take more than three seasons to tell a story, but sometimes I feel like shows just stick around for too long, maybe because they become such big hits that I think the quality suffers. I'm, I'm the biggest, the office is my favorite TV show of all time. And I, I do like the way it ended, but that could have ended not long after Michael Scott left in season seven. And it went yeah. nine seasons. Um, you said, um, you talked about modern family earlier. That was a show I really enjoyed, but it felt like that series went on forever. Yeah. You know, um, Shows like that. I just think some shows just stay around for too long. So what I liked about Ted Lasso is it left me wanting more. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'd rather have that than have it stick around for too long. Well, I remember when the show used to be great, but then it kind of fell off. You don't get that with this show. Well, and they set it up that they can do enough different spinoffs if they oh, want. Oh, absolutely. Right? So I th felt that part was good. But the last, the last note that I had, and it kind of goes back to the episode where um, – Sam Obasanya was protesting Dubai Air, right, and covering it up. And I always thought that was a great episode because that was a big part of Jamie Tart's evolution of becoming part of the team. But Ted had this line to Sam where he said, "Like it's it's never it's never the wrong thing to do the right thing." Yeah. And that was a piece that came through. And I think when you got to the end, I mean, there were a lot of fans out there that were expecting Ted and Rebecca to get together and become a couple which yeah, I never saw coming to me that never looked like something that felt like, oh, these two are meant to, to get together. Um, and people would say like, oh no, this is a love story between Ted and Rebecca. But ultimately, right. It was, I felt like it was a love story between Ted and his family, not just his family at AFC Richmond that he developed, but with his son and with his ex-wife that we don't even know at the end, maybe they are getting back together. It was hard to tell. Right. But you you know, when you say that line, it's never the wrong thing to do the right thing. Like the right thing for him was to go back home and be near his son. Like yeah. that was the right thing that needed to, to happen. So I know there's some folks that didn't love the way it ended, but at the end of the day, like you should be with his son, You're a father, I'm a father, you know, how important our, our kids are to us. Like, sure. That's what our job is. People can say, Oh, what's your profession? It's like, I'm a husband and I'm a father. Like that is, the most important thing that I do and everything else is secondary. Yeah, that that's a great point. I, I'll tell you my last one, and this is a simple one, but I, I mean it. Sometimes it is just good to enjoy a show that makes you feel good. Yeah. It's a feel good show. And a lot of these great shows out there, all timers like the wire or breaking bad or better call Saul, the Sopranos, it can be a grind. It can be depressing at times yeah. watching them. You know, I just got done watching Succession, and that's a show literally about greed and corporate power where there are no good characters. There's no redemption arcs. There's nothing. They're jerks 
in the beginning, at the very beginning of the series, and they're the same exact people at the very end. It is good to just have a show where you have people to root for. You know, Jamie was a dick early on, and Roy Kent, same. But you know what? You're rooting for them at the end. You want the happy ending. And sometimes in, in a fictional world where so much shit happens all around us every day, it's good just to have the happy ending. That's what I loved about The Office, too. You know, the way that series wrapped up, everybody, it, it ended well for them. And, and I like the way this ended for, for Ted Lasso and everybody else. So I know that sounds like a, you know, a boring, simple thing to say, but sometimes it's just good to have a show that makes you feel good, man. No, and it was a show that it could make you feel good, but it, like you said before, it could make you think, you know, dealing, sure, with, uh, yeah, yeah. dealing with depression and anxiety, like, you know, those are not fun topics, but to be able to sit through a scene and get emotional as someone's dealing with that to then, you know, be laughing so hard that your, you know, your yeah. stomach hurts. It's uh it's an interesting, and of course, no surprise that, you know, comes from Bill Lawrence. And, you know, if you're a fan of Scrubs or if you've watched Shrinking, I mean, he's, he's a genius man. And with what he does to be able to pull all of those things together, uh, such a gift. Yeah. And I think him and, and Jason Sudeikis and some of those guys, they should probably pay us for doing this segment right now. I don't know how somebody can endorse the show better than we just did. And by the way, I'm telling you this shit's Creek. Next time you get an opportunity and you want to binge a show, you're going to get the same vibes. I think I predict anyway, maybe I'll be wrong, but I think you're going to get the same kind of vibes from that show as you did this one. I absolutely love Shit's Creek. It's the, along the same lines, those feel-good comedies with redemption arcs where people are, are, are bad and then they just kind of learn the error of their ways to some extent and they just become good. And it's fun to watch. It's a fun show. So You got it. I'm in. You're, you're going to have to check that out. All right, we're going to get out of here. By the way, I want to um, plug... Next Imperial Live show Thursday night, I'm going to have Lance Lazowski from the Buffalo News. Plenty to talk about with the Buffalo Sabres, with the NHL draft and free agency uh, just around the corner. Make sure you follow Anthony on Twitter, at Anth Marino. Of course, check out Buffalo Rumblings. Just so much there to uh, offer Bills fans. All right, man, we're, we'll get this down. We're going to get this chemistry down. Went a little bit long because I'm a gabber. I should have known better, too, because... I knew we were going to spend a good chunk of time talking about Ted Lasso. We both love that show so much. I told you, I've been waiting for weeks and weeks and weeks to get an opportunity to have someone on the show that I could finally wrap about that. So uh, anyway, thanks, buddy. I appreciate having you on. My pleasure, man. Looking forward to next week, too. All right, guys. I will be back live Imperial Thursday night. Lance Lazowski. Talk to you soon.